0: give me permission to do this oh my God. sometimes we're gonna laugh and sometimes we're gonna cry that's just the way it goes if you're ready to change the narrative shift your consciousness you are in the right place welcome to the jackie Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to The Jackie Minsky Show. If you are new, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're with me for a while, thank you so much for coming back. Besides the fact that my guest today has one of the best backgrounds I've ever seen on a show. Talk about marketing. He is someone that I've I've looked at your social media for some time now, and I can resonate with you. Welcome Paul Getter to the show. He is known as the Internet Marketing Nerd. He did over one million in paid ads. And I'm super excited to just get a chance to dive deeper with you today. So welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Jackie. It's my pleasure to be here today. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Of course. So Paul, what I love to do with my guests is I love to start at the beginning, right before you started and started working with celebrities, which I'll get into that also because you said in one of your videos, that's not where you started. So take me to before, how did you even get into marketing?
1: Yeah. So I, I've never had any type of formal education, never went to school for it. Um, nothing like that. Uh, I was one of these individuals that I probably had a lot of odd jobs, but in that I had an interest in tech, you know, nerdy type stuff. And, uh, when businesses first started launching websites, I was trying to figure out how to build websites and, and things. And, uh, again, working jobs that I was frustrated with and uh, not happy with. And uh, I remember I was working for a merchant processing company and the supervisor would come in and just like yelling at people, just, just just angry guy. And he would yell at people upset and stuff. And then, uh, you know, I'm like, I don't like working here. So I finally went up to him like, man, you know, the way you treat people around here makes it really difficult to work here. And a guy like that, that probably wasn't the best thing to say to him. He's like, Oh, you keep talking to me like that, you're gonna lose your job. And so I kind of said, Well, I don't want to give him that privilege to, to fire me. So I was like, Well, it's it's okay, I'm done. And at that time, I was playing around with uh you know helping businesses get their profiles on Facebook and And at that point, I realized, look, you know, this little hobby of mine of playing around with Facebook and social media and building websites, I better figure it out a little bit quicker because I was essentially I was jobless. So that's that's when I said I'm going all in in it and, and really started to dig into learning Facebook marketing and learning social media marketing and building funnels and websites and all that fun stuff.
0: I love that. So, before we dive into the marketing stuff, you said something that I love to talk about on this podcast, which is energy, manifestation, all that. So, would you say that energetically, you always knew in the back of your mind that you were meant for more before you even started out
1: on your own? Oh, of course. Yeah. I, you know, I grew up in a, a household where it's funny, my mom was just here a few months ago. And Uh, I remember as a kid, I was we was living with my uncle, my my mom and dad were sleeping in one bedroom and I thought my brother and I were sharing another bedroom. But my mom reminded me, she said, Paul, that was not a bedroom. That was a closet. So <laughs> I was just a, a little kid there and she's like, no, no, that was a walking closet. We put a mattress in there. And we made that into your bedroom. And uh, then she said to me, she said, do you remember living in the car for a few months? I'm like, no, I don't remember that. I was just a young kid, but, uh, so getting things and you know ha- having more, it wasn't something that was given to me. It's like if you're if you wanted more, you had to go work for it. So I was this kid going door to door, mowing grass, delivering newspapers, whatever I could to get more. And so so I, I I recognized that I knew that there was more. I was I grew up poor, but I knew that I wasn't going to remain that way. That was something that was very you know, conscience to me that I I I was not going to stay that way, that there definitely had to be more. I would not be satisfied or content in in that same cycle.
0: You know, I call that the knowing, you know, when, when know. you just know and you go for it, right? And it's a subconscious thing that manifests. But what would you tell someone? Because a lot of people listening, you know, they have the knowing, but they're yeah stuck at a certain place in their life and they're afraid to go all in. So what's maybe one piece of advice you would give to someone who's stuck, maybe has the same knowing, but does not know where to start on their journey as an entrepreneur? What's like one thing you would tell them?
1: Yeah. So I I remember for me that growing up in a poor home, I thought that wealthy, successful people were somehow completely different than me. I thought that they were smarter. I thought they worked harder. I thought that they were, you know, everything was better about them. And then I remember getting around some wealthy people and I recognize they don't necessarily work harder than me and they're not necessarily smarter than me, but it was about opportunities, positioning and, and places. So I kind of have a rule of thumb. If you want to change your environment, you have to change people, places, things, people, people, places, and things. So the people that you hang out with, if if all you're doing is hanging out with unsuccessful people, people that are uh, running the rat race of life and never achieving success, chances are you're going to be like one of them. So change the people that you hang out with, change the places that you go, uh, get around the places, I, I mean, just go where success is happening. And then change the things that you're doing. You got to change your habit. You got to change the the things you're reading, the things you're watching, the things that you're consuming. And if you change your people, places, and things, you change.
0: I love that. So now I'm going to start asking some fundamental business questions since we're going to start diving into the fun stuff. So when you did start out, right? You were jobless, you were, you know, learning marketing. How did you, because maybe there's someone listening who's just starting out also, how did you get your first few clients? I think that's everyone's biggest fear is not knowing where to get clients from, especially when they start. So how did you get the first few clients?
1: Yes. So, so what I did, and this is in the early years of social media marketing, you know, I say terms like social media marketing, that that is a relative new phrase, you know, internet marketing. And when I first started there was no such thing as social media marketing agencies. It was just, you know, that was a term that slowly evolved. But what I noticed is when, of course, Facebook was one of the first platforms that became popular among businesses. And what businesses would do is they would put like on their menus or on their door, they would say, follow us on Facebook. So what I would do is I would see a business that had on their menu or on their door, follow me on Facebook. I'd go to their Facebook page and then I would kind of like take note. I'm like, okay, they haven't posted in six months. They're doing nothing. So it's an opportunity for me to meet a need with them because number one, they, they started a Facebook page. So they recognized that it was important for them to have a Facebook page or they would have never done it. They put it on their menus. They put it on their door and everything like that. So they understood they should be on social media, but being busy business owners, they don't have time to give attention to the social media side of things. So I would just go to them. I I remember one time I went into a, a pizza shop and I was sitting there and it's always good to be a customer instead of just, I know a lot of people, they'll just go to door to Or I want to sell you this. But if it's the easiest, the low-hanging fruit is people that you are sincerely connected to, businesses that you sincerely go to. You're you're one of their customers, their clients. So I remember I was sitting down at a pizza restaurant, I was eating and saw it on their menu, went to the menu and started looking at their website, started looking at their social media, and it was a mess. And so I just, as I was checking out, I I asked the supervisor or someone like, hey, do you manage your social media. Oh, we don't have time to get around to that and stuff. You know, we're working on it. I'm like, okay. And so I presented who I was and what I did and client just like that. And so seeing the opportunities and being able to meet the people's needs just by watching.
0: Now, now let's put the shoe on the other foot. There's so many people who own businesses who are In the scarcity mindset of investing into something like that, right? So let's put the shoe on the other foot. And what would you tell them? Because, you know, I'm a big believer, obviously, the more you invest into your company, the more the company can scale and grow, right? Right. Let's say there's someone who's hesitant to maybe work with someone like you or someone in marketing. What would you tell them, especially if their social media marketing or marketing in general isn't up to par? What would you tell someone and why they actually should invest if they're afraid to invest?
1: Yeah. So number one, from the service provider basis, you do have to be able to deliver results. I mean, that's what every business owner is looking for. More than just like a a new shiny object or something like that, they're looking for results. So if, if a person can come to me with a solid guarantee, like, look, I'm going to get you X amount of leads. I'm going to be able to deliver this. They've got my attention. I think sometimes with Uh, local businesses and for that matter any business is they really have to know their numbers. And what I mean by that is you can say, hey, I'll get you a new customer to come in. It's going to cost, you know, let's say $50 to do that in ads and stuff. And they're like, they might start to think to themselves, well, is this a wise investment? But you have to look at the opportunity of what the lifetime value of that person would be. Okay, if I get a new customer, let's just say a restaurant, for example cost me $50. I'm paying this agency X amount of dollars. Well, I can't look at things in a short term basis. I have to be able to see what is the value of that person in two months, three months, five months, six months. And then it becomes a snowball effect that, okay, I got 10 new customers this much, this month. It costs me, I didn't make much money. From it, but the next month I get ten more. The next month ten more, and then you have recurring and stuff. And then six months down the road, you're like, wow, we have grown. So I guess my advice to business owners is don't be so short sighted. Uh, you know, it's like I heard someone say this, and it's probably Benjamin Franklin or something like that. Is if if you stop investing in marketing because you don't have money. That's like trying to stop the watch because you don't have time. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like, okay, I don't want to market because we're we're not making much money. Well, that's when you should be marketing because you need to generate more money.
0: I heard that quote before. Also, I don't know where, and I don't know.
1: You can credit it to me. You can say Paul Getter said it. That's fine. Like make a little mean. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. that's going to be the marketing for this, this episode. <laughs>
1: okay. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I have, I have a follow-up question for that. Um, in terms of, you know, when someone is starting a company, what do you think is a reasonable marketing budget to put into their plan? You know, because many people that are starting a company, right. they they not, they're not necessarily even knowing where to start in marketing. So how much would you say is a good marketing price to start with in terms of a budget?
1: Yeah. As much as possible. (laughs) Uh, So I think that's a tough question because you have, you know, is it a car dealership? Is it a restaurant? Is it, you know, some little small mom and pop ice cream shop? Uh, So I I, I think that a business should begin with at least 10% of the revenue to dedicate it toward marketing. Um, so looking at that, putting that in perspective, obviously it's going to range, uh, but but you have to be able to s- be able to calculate. Okay, what what type of profit will this generate over not just immediately? Because that's where people get stuck. Is okay, I'm paying this guy let's say three thousand dollars a month, and then I'm spending a few thousand dollars an ad. Okay, this is $5,000 and they run ads for one month and they're like, I didn't make $5,000 from this. And then, then they shut it down and like, okay, this isn't working. Well, that's not giving time for things to work because it, it becomes something when people start to see you more, when you become more visible, that it will add up over the long run.
0: You know, that's true. I just read a quote the other day. Um, the reason why a lot of people are not making money is because they can't wait 12 months.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that is so true. Yeah, really. You know, patience
0: really. is everything. Um, so with all the marketing that you do and you've seen and you've helped people with, what would you say is maybe one or two, some of the, the biggest marketing mistakes people make?
1: Uh, well, so, so this, this would be n- number one, uh, uh, is a catchphrase in marketing is being disruptive being disruptive and you know it's basically especially online you got to catch people's attention and people are scrolling you got to stop the scroll so you got to be disruptive you got to be able to grab their attention well here's the challenge in that is I, I'll give you an example I, I remember we would start doing ads and we'd do some type of really crazy creative look design and stuff and it would start to do really well but then what would happen is other businesses they would see that like whoa man did you see what they're doing let's do that and then you have this business does it and this marketer does it and this market and then all of a sudden everybody is doing the same disruptive technique and then what happens is, What was disruptive six months ago, everybody is doing it. And now there's no disruption in what you're doing. So you have to be able to evolve. You have to be able to change and and pivot and look at your audience, look at the response and uh, be able to make changes in that. So that's advice about disruption. And then I think that there is more than ever now, uh, it's very important to sincerely build relationships with your customers and clients. There used to be a day that you could just put an ad up like, hey, I got this widget. It's amazing. And people are like, oh, wow, I like it. Click and buy. But now online marketing, there's so, there are so many voices and products and services that are bombarding people that there's hesitation and apprehension about just clicking that button and buying is this real you know oh man I don't want to waste my money on this so it's about building a relationship with people you know uh connecting with them educating them um, building their their trust before you ask for the sale
0: and I think that all ties together. Because let's go back to what you you just said, you know, I think that a lot of times, let's say you are a disruptor and you do something, but then let's say you're someone who sees a disruptor and then you follow the disruptor. Yes, yeah. you may get some attention, but are you being authentically yourself to your brand, to your right. market, right? right. So. You know, I I always see, and we always see this in marketing, the the people with the, the actual results are authentically themselves, right? They're in their own lane, even though they could be in a similar niche, they have a totally different vibe to their branding and branding equals marketing, right? But here's how that ties together, because what winds up happening is, Then your clients, you attract your ideal clients, and as you get to know them, something you said on one of your videos, word of mouth starts to happen. Consistency with yourself equal consistency with your brand equal consistency with your clients, which then starts a snowball effect, which, by the way, this is how I grew my company, too. So when I saw you say that on social media, I'm like, ah, we need to get into this topic because I think what a lot of people are doing is the old way of marketing. They're following someone in their niche. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the world doesn't operate like that anymore. I think the world is starting to operate, which is good, I think, on energy, and people Mm -hmm. are navigating to and and attracting people who are like them, actually like them, right? Mm -hmm. So let's start there, because, okay, you started getting your clients, started, you know, getting the higher, you know, the, the bigger clients. Tell me what it was like to that process the beginning then getting those bigger clients and then reaching the celebrities and how mm-hmm. and how you had to remain grounded humble and focused while not trying to be you know starstruck with a celebrity because sure. i'm sure that yeah. you know in itself yeah and, you course. know so, so take me through that process of what that transition was like for you
1: yeah and i've mentioned this before obviously I didn't start out working with celebrities. It was, it was like I, when I started out, it was ice cream shops, pizza shops and wherever I could get a, a client. And if you would have told me then, oh, you're going to be working with A-list celebrities and Fortune 500 companies I'm like, no, they, they don't they don't do this stuff. But I, I found myself working with a client in Los Angeles, helping him, I think it was generate generating financial leads for his his business. And I remember going to his website, and I realized that this guy was a very influential individual. He's real, very well connected in Hollywood, and so I really started to go go the extra mile for you know invest more, go over and beyond what he expected because I understood that an individual like that could potentially open doors, and and so it it, it was that being able to serve people at regardless of what level they were, but knowing that they're just one person away from the next big client. So, so that's always kind of been a, a, a motto of mine is it's, it's like people before profits relationship before revenue. And uh, you know, I, I would do things, whatever I could knowing not, not simply a, transactional relationship. Oh, if I do this, then maybe they'll give me this. Because you you honestly don't know. When I was a teenager, I, I used to work in Radio Shack. And I I remember we we got uh pay based on commission. So if someone bought X amount you would get and I remember it was around Christmas one time this uh guy came walking in pair of shorts, t-shirt, flip-flops, and just you know Looked like he just walked from the beach, or you know something. That looked like an ordinary guy and kind of scruffy. And all the other sales guys in there, when this guy came in, they just kind of looked at him and didn't really pay him much attention and just let him browse. I went over there and I started talking with him. Hey, you know what can I help him? Well, this guy was a CEO of some company. He said, oh, I want to buy my staff uh, laptops for Christmas present and this guy ended up buying like 10 or 15 laptops and it, so it, i think there was a lesson that i learned there okay they might look like just some guy that crawled off the beach somewhere but you never know what what's inside of them what what might be able to you might be able to connect with them and so so i found myself i was i was working with this guy uh, doing financial leads and uh, really begin to build a strong relationship with him and uh, one day he went in to get a, a haircut at the barber shop. And the barber was asking, How's everything going? You know, how's business going? He's like, Man, it's going great. Uh, I got this kid over in Florida that has been doing a lot of internet marketing stuff for us. And we're getting so many leads, things are growing. He was just so excited about that. Well, the next person to sit in the barber chair was Ty Lopez. And um, Ty Lopez was like, Tell me more about this kid. Tell me what he's doing and everything like that. Next thing you know, I get a phone call from Ty Lopez's team, and they're asking me, what do you do? And one thing led to another. I'm sitting there in Ty Lopez's office and uh, I started working for him. This is years ago before most people even knew who Ty was. And then it, it was, it seemed like it was a domino effect. Uh, it was. There in Beverly Hills, a lot of celebrities and stuff, word of mouth, um, you know, managers would start calling me up. Hey, I see you're doing this. Movies would call me up. Hey, we need marketing for this and this. And it was just so. But it it started mom and pop restaurants and serving with excellence and doing the best I can going over and beyond. And then it just kind of opened the doors to. A-list celebrities, Fortune 500 companies, movies, and all kinds of fun stuff.
0: I love that. And I'm going to ask a tough question. <laughs> well, <because laughs> so, you know, sometimes opportunities present themselves, but maybe they're not necessarily in alignment with us, right? So sure. because you said people over profit, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you know when to say no to a potential client?
1: Uh, have you ever said no. To yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. I absolutely do. Um, so if, if they're in, in my mind, if the work that I'm doing, if I can't have my kids hang over my shoulder and watch what I'm doing, I don't want to do it. If I don't want my family to know, uh, that I'm marketing for this, then I don't want to do it. I don't want to, you know, have to promote something or market something that I would have to like keep in the closet somewhere. Like, oh, I don't want anybody to know about I'm working for them, you know? So, uh, so I think that's kind of an easy barometer for me to like, Ah, oh, eh, no, I, if, if I have that, eh, I don't want to, you know, makes me feel uncomfortable and goes against my, my core values and stuff. Then, uh, you know, something that I wouldn't want all my friends and family to know that, I am partnered with them, I'm working with them, then I I just easily decline it.
0: You know, that's like one of my favorite quotes that I also don't know where I read it or heard it. You know, live your life in such a manner that... If your parrot escaped and went to town,
1: <laughs> you, <know, laughs> you would yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: what the parrot would say, you know? Yeah, you absolutely. Know? So it, it's very true, you know, because a lot of the times that's the thing, and and that comes down to branding. A lot of the times, people are marketing things specifically on social media, and behind closed doors, that's not who they really are, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. here's here's a really good question that I do want to ask you: Is have you ever been in a situation where you see someone marketing or presenting their company or their brand, their service, their product, whatever it may be a certain way for marketing purpose purposes, but then you get to know them on a personal level and it's almost like it's a completely different person. And that becomes a disconnect in a company, right? So what do you do as a marketer or just as someone working alongside with them when you notice there's a disconnect between what they're saying they're selling and who they are?
1: Yeah. So I think that there is probably a consensus of what we see of a person online is just a small fraction of who they really are. And sometimes that's a good thing for some people like good thing. People don't know everything about you, but um, sometimes it's a bad thing. It's like some people see, okay, all this guy is, is he's about the cars and the, the, the girls and the houses and everything like that. That's all he's interested because that's all you see. That's the only um, dimension that you see about that person online. Uh, When behind their, in real life, they may be, uh, there may be more to them. And so it's not necessarily that they are a different person. It's kind of like this. It's like, if all you see me is in the suit and the bow tie and the glasses. You're like, okay, this guy, that's all he ever wears. But I go to the gym sometimes and I you know, I wear a t-shirt and, and pants and everything like that. And you, you could you could easily say, oh, wow, well, he's not the same person in real life as he is online. No, it's just, that's all you have seen of me. So, so I think, unfortunately for some people, you don't get to see their whole story, who they are, where they came from, their background, their life the personality and stuff. And so that's unfortunate for some people. And for other people, it's probably a good thing because if you did know, uh, you know, I I always say it this way. Some people, the closer you get to them, the more you like them. And there's other people, the closer you get to them, (laughs) the more you dislike them. So uh, in social media, it's often like this. Uh, Failure, 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 failure. Success, post it. Posted online for everybody to see. Failure, 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 failure. Post success, posted online. And so all you see is success, 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 success. And you think, oh, you know, this person is just so successful, but you don't see all of the failures that they went through because they're not posting that. They're not posting on Instagram. Oh, look, I lost $5,000 today. You know what I mean? Follow me, you know. So uh, so we are social media unfortunately for a lot of people only allows us to see a portion of who they really are.
0: Yeah, that is true. Do you think we should be posting more about our failures, especially in today's day and age, or you wouldn't recommend that?
1: I I think it humanizes us. I mean, it, it, it really, that's, that's who we are. I think that there it's important that we have a certain amount of vulnerability in who we are and transparency because people are following us. And it's easy for them to look, look at us online and feel, let, let me put it this way, sometimes our success can discourage people. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like we we wanna show, oh, su- success, and people would get motivated and excited, but sometimes some individuals, they see this and that's all they see then they can begin to question themselves and say well am i ever going to see success because it seems like everything i do i'm messing up well you know i've i've got a whole lot more failures than i do success so i think it, i think it probably and i'm speaking to myself about this I, I think it would be helpful to many people if we did show the failures the um i know i know people I, one of my mentors told me this i used to be very apprehensive to go online, do videos and stuff. And it was just, you know, like, oh, you know, my voice, you know, I stumble on my words, my looks and everything like that. And I was just insecure about these things. And he told me, he said, Paul, do you really think that you can help people? I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you really think that what you do, your mission and your message can make an impact? And people are like, yeah. He said, so you are allowing your insecurities to stop you from making content and giving to people. And you're not going to help as many people and serve as many people because of your insecurities. Is that what you're saying? I'm like, okay, that's a better way to look at it. So if you could, if you can really serve people, add value, impact, change their lives, then I think all of the insecurities, the failures and everything like that, just put it out there. This is who you are. I even tell people I'm like, look, do a video, mess up your hair. Ladies, don't wear any makeup. Just roll out of bed and do a video. And 90% of the people that would scare them to death to do that. No, no, I need a filter. I need this and and all that. There's no way I'm going to do a video. But they're afraid if people look at them like, oh my goodness. But put your worst out there. And then everything else after that is it can't get any worse. You know what I mean? So
0: that is true. You know, it's interesting you say that because if we just show our success, you know, how I grew this podcast and my brand was talking about a really dark time in my life. You know, the first few episodes of this podcast were telling and, un- and unfolding that story, you know, and and I think if I only showed my success and never told all my listeners, my following, my my failures, then I would, I or anyone who does that also can be unapproachable. Right. Now, yeah. Nowadays, the reason I think social media marketing is so big is because of that personable approach factor, right? Yeah. There's people who, the more, the more they post stories or talk about what's going on in their life, their audience now builds an emotional connection to them. Now, I'm big on emotional branding and now I think emotional marketing has made its way into the market, right? So I'd love to hear, let's say it's companies you're currently working with or a new client, new sign on, how do you build or create a marketing strategy that's effective for your clients since you do have success?
1: Yeah. So, so the old saying is facts, tell, story, sell. So if, if you're just data-driven, oh, I do this, this, and this, and my conversion rate, blah, 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 and you're just giving people scientific, analytical evidence of your product, your service, there's always going to be a disconnect. But if you can lead with your mission, I, I'll give you a great example. Uh, I was talking to a potential client who, who has a coffee brand, does amazing, but he's wanting to really increase – a, a robust presence online he wants to build a, a robust presence online and i told him i said you're you're selling coffee let's 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 just uh you know with how things are laid out right now you're you're selling coffee and there's a lot of coffee brands out there i love coffee you know that's and even being a coffee connoisseur the difference between an amazing coffee and Dunkin' Donuts cup of coffee is probably very little. You know what I mean? Very little. So you have to have something bigger than a cup of coffee that you're selling. And so we began to dig into his mission and, and what he does. Interesting story about his company for... Uh, Every bag of coffee that they sell, they plant a tree. I said, okay, there is something that is bigger because people will pass Starbucks, they'll pass Dunkin' Donuts, they'll pass every other business and buy your coffee because you're going to plant a tree. There's people that will do that. So showing what you do is bigger than just a product or a service that you have a mission, you have a purpose, you're, you know, you've got a, a vision and something that you want to do bigger that than just a cup of coffee, that's something that people will buy into. It, here's I, I was reading in a book and obviously branding and our messaging is is so important. Uh if you go to the grocery store and you get a carton of eggs. Average carton of eggs, I don't know, let's say $2.50 for a dozen eggs. But right next to the regular $2.50 dozen eggs is a a carton of eggs. It's probably a brown, different material and has a little bit different writing on it. And it says um, something like hormone and antibiotic free, Mm. those eggs are going to be $5 a dozen. Well, here's the interesting thing. According to the FDA, all eggs must be antibiotic and hormone free. So knowing that you can connect with your audience based upon their, uh, their desire and their mission and their Clean eating habits and emphasizing on that can be the difference between you selling your product for two fifty or five dollars.
0: That is very true, and you know, so marketing campaigns are you know are a big thing. You know, it's interesting you said that because I, I study different campaigns just to see who's doing what, and I think it was either last year or maybe two years ago. Velibruin, the the swim the swim line, they did for every. I don't, I don't remember. If it was one pair or two pairs that you purchased. They would clean. I think it was two yards of the ocean, right? They did like okay. a really clean marketing campaign. Now, my question is, h- at what point in the campaign, right? Let's say, we, let's say you know you told your client to do this. You know, the plant a tree. It, it, it sure. seems like yes, this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. At what point of the campaign do we? reassess maybe and say okay maybe it's not working like how long do you give the campaign before you see if it's working or if it's not working in terms of waiting how long do we wait to reassess a marketing campaign
1: Yeah so I, I th- when, it, when it comes down to a very technical side of things in marketing and ads there's a lot of different variables that we will look at um, Number one when the ad is presented before the audience, We'll look at what the click-through rate is. So, you know, we've got certain parameters. We want the click if the click-through rate on this platform is three to four percent. Typically that's a winning ad. Uh, if it's below that, well, we got to re-evaluate the ad. And then after you can have the best performing ad in the world, but if people click on it and the experience that they have once they get to the website is not congruent with that ad. You can have someone click on an ad all day. Like, oh man, this looks amazing. They click on it and then they go to the website. Like, ah, I don't want it. So there has to be a congruence between the ad and the website, the funnel, the platform that you're, you're selling the product. So then we would begin to look at other variables. Okay. Uh, what is the click through rate on, the website on the products there? How how many add to carts do we have? What is the percentage add to cart then to conversion and checkout? And so it's kind of um, segmenting thing. Okay, we've got an amazing ad. People seem like they're interested in it, but when they go to the website, they're not buying. They're adding to cart, but they're not buying it. And so breaking it down and being able to see, okay, is the ad good? Or, you know, you could see something else like a lower ad rate, but people are still buying. So you have to get this front end message. So there is, I typically, what I would do is I would look at things, um, the first couple of weeks you, and of course this depends how much you're spending, You know, let's just say if you're spending $10 a day versus $1,000 a day, um, the amount you're spending will determine how fast you acquire the data necessary. But let's just say you invest $5,000 into marketing um, your plan. You should be able to, for for me, when I see this, I know something is going to be a winner or a loser within about, you know, uh, let's take the price of your product and multiply that by 20. So if I'm selling something for fifty dollars, multiply that by twenty thousand dollars. If I spend thousand dollars, I know uh, based on the results the amount of sales that I get if it's a winner or a loser. So so you know time I, I would say it's not necessarily time, but it's amount of ad that is spent twenty times. You know if if you're if you're selling something for thousand dollars, you might have to invest a little bit more to determine. If it's a winner or loser.
0: Now, I, I do have a question. I, I love all this. This is you know we're getting into my my language. I, I love. I, I'm also a nerd with all this stuff.
1: <laughs> you need a pair of glasses and a bow tie. You're you're in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do, but my question is because because this is where I've seen, um, and I don't have the experience you do, so this is me asking you. Um, sure. you know, a lot of. People these days that are personal brands have what we call, you know, the funnels for a free download, right? Like they're giving away free content, which is fine. And yeah. then there's usually a big gap because if you give them the free content, usually I've seen a large number of free downloads, but it doesn't come, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't become a sale long term. Yeah. How do we, in, you know, as marketers for those People, how do we close those gaps, right? So let's say someone's giving away free content, but then they're upselling. How do we close the gap from free content to actual sales?
1: Yeah. So I always like to put it this way. There's different type of people. And so you, you have to know your avatar of the people that you're marketing to. So number one, there's free people. Free people want everything for free. If you put something out there for free, they're like, ah, I want it, I want it, I want it. But as soon as you try to put a price tag on it, like, ah, can't you? I can get that for free on YouTube. I get those comments all the time. I can get that for free on YouTube. I'm like, well, go to YouTube. You know what I mean? Uh, go to YouTube. Uh, so there's free people. Then there's cheap people. Uh, cheap They they always want things for cheap. It's like ah, as cheap as possible, as cheap as possible, and they're willing to put a little bit. Uh, then there's people people are willing to pay a premium price and you can make a lot from people you know they they are willing to invest there's different mindsets there's different mindsets between a free and a people a cheaple there's different mindsets they understand the importance of investing in themselves and then the top is the steeple you know like on a church they're steeple they're willing to invest a steep price because they've learned the importance of really investing in themselves now what brings that gap between freeples and steeples is relationship and community because here's here's the thing if if we really get honest with ourselves, there's people that are selling something a product or service that is very similar to what you're doing. But if you can build a relationship and a community with those people, they will become loyal to you. And and that's where it's important, building that personal brand, connecting with them, giving them value, serving them. I I think with today's technology and the way that AI is advancing, being a good marketer is not going to be good enough. Because there'll probably come a day that you'll be able to say, um, hey, marketing app, make me an ad for my product, and I want to target these people. And it'll say, one moment, and it'll just, you know, here's suggested pictures. This should get you a 3.2% click-through rate. Here's the ad copy you should use. You know, here's the website, and it just builds everything for you. I think that's very possible. I think that's very possible. So being a good marketer or advertiser is not going to give you a, good, a big advantage because everybody will be able to do that with artificial intelligence. So that's where it's going to be necessary that your service, your customer support, your product, your community is going to really need to be so much greater than everybody else's. That's when people are going to come to you.
0: And with that being said, I guess a great question for anyone listening and maybe not sure of how to do that, how does one build that community and loyalty would you say through social media marketing?
1: Yeah. So so that's that's being able to like digitally shake their hand, pat them on the back, hug them and and be there for them. Uh so building the relationship with them there there has to be a personal touch. One thing that I see in social media is it has become more of media and less of social media and what i mean that is i have clients say paul i you know i post and i only get 10 likes on my posts. and i always ask them this i'm like how many posts do you like and it's normally something like you know crickets chirp 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 you know like uh i don't know you know and so if you're not socializing with people, if you're not connecting with people, if you are not educating, informing, you know, really shaking hands, messaging and building relationship, then they don't, you don't deserve their business. You're just, you're just posting something that you're, you're selfish. So I think social media needs to be less selfish. Like just come to me, just like my post, comment on my post. You have to give, if you want to expect to receive something in return.
0: That is so, so true. That is so, so true. Um, and with that being said, you know, there's so many different social media platforms, you know, I'm always curious to, to see, and I would love to know if you agree with this. I, I think that different industries and niches have different social platforms where they do better in, would, would you agree with that? And does that really help you figure out which social media platform to push more content out on?
1: Yeah. So I like to put it this way, social, social media, all that it it's social media platforms are like a family. And if you, if you have kids or, uh, you know, say you're at a family reunion, well, when you go to the family reunion, you're, you're going to talk to your aunt a little bit differently than you talk to your cousin. You know, you're, you're going to have, you're going to, talk to them and you're going to talk to your grandmother differently than you talk to your nephew. And so the danger is going on Instagram and pretending like you're on TikTok or going to TikTok and pretending like you're on Facebook. So uh being able to be like a chameleon and adapt to those platforms in a way that will connect with that audience. I think that there are well, I know that there are because I've I've seen lawyers on TikTok that do amazing. You know what I mean? Like if, if I go to a lawyer and say, I think you should be on TikTok, they would say, ah, I don't think so. But I can give them examples of lawyers that are doing well, doctors that are doing great business on TikTok. So uh, I would not diminish the value of any of these platforms I would say where you invest your time in how you communicate your message and what you do, you have to adapt it and modify to that platform if you really want to see sincere results.
0: So you, f- from my understanding, you think that it's it's we should maybe have a different um, concept. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but a different strategy for yeah. different platforms depending on the platforms um you know what's going on on the platform you ha-
1: you have to you have to and, and and i say this as an individual that has probably been guilty of taking instagram content and putting it on tiktok taking tiktok content yeah and putting it on youtube but it because we want to save time you know we want to save time so we just have our pillar content but For the algorithm and everything to work the way that it works, you have to look at that platform and say, what works best for this audience, for these people? And you have to make your content and your strategy specifically for that platform. If you really want to see results, it takes longer, it's more work, but that's where you're going to see the greater results.
0: Okay. So now I'm going to ask you something. I'm going to see if you can give us some inside scoop. So with, with all the, 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 by the way, that's, that's a really great way to perspective to look at that. Cause now I'm getting so many ideas, but with, with all the different social media platforms, I'd love to hear your take on currently um, each one. Let's, let's, let's start with Instagram. What would you say is working on Instagram right now?
1: Instagram reels is working amazing it's working amazing. So uh, I've got let's let's just say that statistically it sounds horrible, but statistically the average engagement rate for a profile is 4 to 6%. So if you're getting 4 to 6% engagement on your profile, that's that's normal. Uh which is disappointing, but that's the reality. But I have pages that with Instagram Reels, I'm getting 30 to hundred percent engagement rate. So let's just say if I have a page of 5,000 people, I post an Instagram reel, I will get, you know, 2000 visits, um, views on that reel. And so I'm, I'm getting, you know, a great percentage. So growth is happening with reels on Instagram, I think that there's probably fundamentals that re- remain the same. You got to have good content. If your content isn't good, it, nothing really is going to work. Uh partnering with people, shout outs, uh, things like that work good. If uh, here's another cool way to grow on Instagram. Let's say let's just say you have 50,000 um, followers on Instagram. Find somebody in your same niche and say, hey, let's go live. Let's um, do like a podcast live and go live and have a fun time and everything. Well, what that does is the followers on your page and the followers on their page are coming together for this live. And you're going to see you, you start to share followers. So you'll you'll get followers just by doing that. Um, so, But it is about having real relationships, engaging with people, reaching out, um, liking, commenting, and engaging with people on that platform.
0: I know we have a few minutes left, but I, I want to I get a few more. So that was great. Um, so what do you think is working, let's say, on LinkedIn and TikTok as well? Because I know people uh,
1: are
0: hearing you talk, and they're like, get as much out of him as you can. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so,
1: TikTok, if you dance up. Yeah. Done. I mean, you're you're <laughs> so I uh, so let's let's take TikTok for example. TikTok, there are things that have very cyclical trends, things that are trending, sounds that are trending, music that is trending. So if you took your Instagram content on here and try to post it on. Uh, TikTok, you're going to miss an opportunity by not tapping into sounds, music, and trends that people are doing on TikTok. So really w- there's a page that you can go on TikTok and you can see the trending sounds, trending topics and stuff. And so you need to watch that closely and when you see stuff start to trend, jump on it as quickly as possible and you could end up with something on the the for you page. You could uh, get some really rapid growth just by tapping into those trends, those sounds, those songs and on TikTok Your first three seconds is so important. Your your hook that you give people there, um, it has to be really catching that will keep people. And one of the things that TikTok does when they start to push your content in front of people, they want to see how long people. I think it's something if your video, if people watch your video more than 47 percent. TikTok starts to push it out to people. So it's something that you can do is, hey, I'm gonna show you the four things that you need to do to make money online today. And the fourth one, you're not gonna believe it. Number one, so I hooked the people by saying, the fourth one, you're not gonna believe this. So they're, I'm trying to do everything I can to keep them through one, two, three, all the way to the fourth one, because I want to get them to watch more than forty-seven percent of my video. So, and I, I just, uh, I just had a call with someone before this call, and they said TikTok Live. They don't have a large TikTok following, but they go TikTok Live, and they might have five thousand followers, but when they go TikTok Live, they will get thirty thousand views on their videos. Wow. So TikTok Live.
0: Okay, and then the
1: last one is LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Uh, lost my video there. I'm sorry. Uh, link, link, LinkedIn. Uh, so, LinkedIn, obviously, you're kind of talking to a different audience. You're talking to people that are wanting to be educated, people that are wanting to get high value content. So, it's less, a lot less dancing is happening on LinkedIn than TikTok. So, you're, you're Yeah. Yeah. You're looking, looking for people that want to be educated. They want to be informed. They want high value content. So it's going to take a little bit more time, articles doing videos that are going to educate people, um, statistic things like that, that will really resonate and connect with people that want high value type of content. I love
0: that. This has been so much fun. So I do have one final question that I love to ask all my guests. What would Paul now tell the younger Paul knowing everything he knows today?
1: Uh, So number one, build, build more relationships with people. When I, when I was younger, there was an insecurity that I, what I did, I wanted to keep to myself I wanted to be like this guy that just hid behind a curtain somewhere and you know wasn't too sociable and didn't tell a whole lot of people about what I did and it was a couple of reasons number 1 I didn't want people because I was you know one of the pioneers in this and I didn't want people kind of figuring out what I was doing how I was how I was doing it so I kept it to myself and but with that with me staying to myself I missed a lot of opportunities to build more relationships with people. And you never put a price tag on good relationships. That, that goes beyond business. It goes beyond a client. So really understand the value of, of relationships with people.
0: I love that. I love that. And, you know, it is important in terms of scarcity. You know, when we try to keep all this information, yeah. and energy within ourselves, we're telling the
1: yeah.
0: we don't believe in abundance. We don't believe that there's for yeah. you, me, and everyone, right? So that was there's
1: crazy. no competition. That, that, that's that's another thing. Yeah, yeah.
0: So there's no competition. There's only collaboration.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I was seeing people as competition when th- there was there was probably the opportunity for me to make more money with my competition and work with them and we could do bigger things so uh so I don't like the word competition because we're all unique we all have different skill sets and um some of my best friends now people looking on the outside would say oh isn't he your competitor I'm like No, he's not my competitor. I give him clients. You know, I send people his way because I think he can actually do a better job working with them than me. And he does the same thing. So it's collaboration. Yeah.
0: I love that. So tell everyone where they can find you on social media, although it's going to be in the show notes still. Why don't you tell them?
1: Yeah. So my number one platform that I use is Instagram and my Instagram handle is Paul, just paul it's a verified account um just give me a follow there send me a message say you know you heard this podcast and i'll send you something for free
0: well thank you paul so much for doing this it it meant a lot to me and looking forward to connecting soon
1: likewise thank you very much